Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. In the old town square in Prague, capital of the Czech Republic, is situated an impressive stone memorial. In its centre stands a tall statue of the Czech national hero Jan Hus. A collection of figures to his left are victorious warriors, the so-called Hussites, while those to his right depict oppressed Protestant worshippers. The memorial was installed in 1915, exactly five centuries after Jan Hus was burned at the stake for his religious beliefs. By murdering this popular priest, the Catholic Church intended to stamp out what they saw as heresy, but instead they ignited not only the bonfire around Jan Hus, but a religious and national conflict that swept like wildfire through Czech lands for decades, and still leaves a deep imprint today. To this day, Jan Hus remains a powerful symbol of resistance against oppressive regimes in the Czech Republic and beyond. Welcome to a history of Europe, key battle, the Hussite Wars of 1419 to 1434, part one of two. The modern day nation of the Czech Republic lies in central Europe, bordered by Germany to the west, Austria to the south, Slovakia to the east and Poland to the northeast. It is comprised of three historical regions Bohemia, which covers most of the current territory, Moravia in the southeast corner, and a small section of historical Silesia in the northeast, bordering on Poland. The Czech countryside has a variety of landscapes, including large tracts of forest and highlands, where there are located the source of some of the continent's major rivers, such as the Elbe, Oder and Morava. The longest river within the country, and hence considered the national river, is the Vltava, which runs southeast along the Bohemian Forest and then north across Bohemia, through the cities of Český Krumlov, Český Budjevice and Prague, before merging with the Elbe. The earliest known settlers in the Czech lands, according to archaeology and ancient Roman sources, were a Celtic tribe called the Boi, from where the name Bohemia comes from. They are known to have inhabited the area since at least the 5th century BC. From the 1st century AD, there were reports of Germanic tribes there, such as the Macromani and the Lombards, some of whom migrated westwards in the 5th century. In the 6th and 7th century arrived waves of Slavs coming from the south. They in turn were subject to repeated incursions from a tribe called the Avars, who had in the meantime settled in the Pannonian Plain, present-day Hungary. Thought to be of Turkic origin, the Avars preferred the flat plains of Hungary to the forested uplands of Bohemia. The Avars disappeared from history around the end of the 8th century, after a heavy defeat to Charlemagne, king of the Franks. 
Their place was soon taken by a Slav kingdom called Moravia, which fought the Frankish Empire on and off in the 9th century. Although the borders of Moravia are a matter of debate, the kingdom is thought to have extended at its greatest height in the 870s to 890s to include the area of modern-day Czech Republic plus parts of Slovakia, Hungary and Poland. The Moravian kingdom in turn succumbed to Hungarian raiders in the early 10th century. The Hungarians, however, did not settle the core of Moravian territory but retreated to the lowlands around the river Danube. In the Czech lands, there then emerged a new Slavic state populated by a tribe referred to in the sources as the Bohemi. The Slavonic name Cheshi or Chekovi appeared according to Petra Czorny and Jiri Pokorny in their book History of the Czech Lands to 2000 as late as the end of the 9th century. At first, the term was used to define the group of people who surrounded the ruling prince. Only gradually was it extended to apply to all Slavs settled in Bohemia. The first known ruler of Bohemia was named Borovoy. Although many details of his rule are uncertain, Borovoy is believed to have established Christianity in the Czech lands and to have moved his seat of power to Prague in around the year 885. The castle there guarded an important ford across the Vltava River and hence became an important trading centre. Prague has been the main political and cultural centre of the Czech lands ever since. It was the son of Borovoy who managed to free the Bohemians from Moravian overlordship. He achieved this by appealing to Bavaria for support, a policy which Chorny and Pokorny believed decisive for the future orientation of Bohemia towards the Latin West. Throughout the centuries, the Czechs have had close ties with both their Germanic and Slavic neighbours, and still today they see themselves as a bridge between East and West, and refer to their homeland as the Lands Between. The Czech state reached its greatest territorial extent in the reign of Boleslav II in the late 10th century. At this point it included, as well as Bohemia itself, also Moravia and some areas of what are now Slovakia. At the turn of the 10th and 11th century, however, the Czech state found itself in deep crisis. There were two principal reasons. Firstly, disunity among the Premislid ruling dynasty, and secondly, the rise and expansion of two neighbouring states, Hungary and Poland. In the period of turmoil, the Czech state was cut back to just Bohemia. Later in the 11th and 12th centuries, the rulers of Bohemia recovered some territory in the east, but at the same time faced threats from the west, specifically the Holy Roman Empire. Emperor Frederick Barbarossa, reigned 1155-1190, had ambitions to incorporate the Czech lands into the empire, attempting, for example, to turn the bishoprics of Prague and Moravia into imperial principalities. Frederick's efforts, however, had no long-term consequences, since he died soon after on campaign on the Third Crusade, and his successors lacked authority. The weakness of the Holy Roman Emperors in the turn of the 13th century was exploited by the Czech ruler Ottokar I. In 1212, Ottokar secured a charter called the Golden Bull of Sicily, which granted the Czech ruler the title of monarch. Bohemia was henceforth a kingdom, not just a principality, and became one of the leading state entities in the Holy Roman Empire. In the meantime, the Czech lands were enjoying an economic boom. Previously, unpopulated areas of forest and marshland were being transformed into agriculturally useful land. This process, writes Tronium 
Bucorni was given a powerful new impulse in the 13th century when a substantial stream of colonists from overpopulated German areas started to arrive in Bohemia, Moravia. Quote, the German colonists took a particularly major part in the settlement of thickly forested and relatively inaccessible borderlands. At the same time, they brought more advanced agricultural techniques. Human settlements, once concentrated in the fertile lowlands, now covered the whole of Bohemia, Moravia, with the exception of the high border ranges. End quote. According to Frank Welsh in his book, The Battle for Christendom, the migration of Germanic speakers westward was the most important movement of population in the Middle Ages. It took place not only in Czech lands, but across east-central Europe, as far as Poland, Hungary and Transylvania. He says, quote, Migration was actively encouraged by local landowners who, seeing an opportunity to increase their incomes, offered attractive conditions to Saxon, Bavarian, Dutch and Flemish settlers. Recruited by and organised by professional agents responsible for allocating land, the newcomers agreed rent for farms, which were held on a perpetual lease. Based on the consequent agricultural prosperity, new towns were founded as far east as Breslau, Krakow and Tallinn, all with a dominant German-speaking population, German churches and guild halls, schools and colleges. End quote. The colonists helped develop not only agricultural lands, but also a relatively dense network of towns. Towns such as centres of trade and crafts emerged from existing settlements or were established from scratch. Royal towns are those under the direct sovereignty of the crown were the largest and most important. Mining towns concerned with the mining and casting of precious metals, which in the Czech lands meant principally silver, also prospered. The most important deposits were at the town of Krypnohora in central Bohemia. German colonisation also led to changes in the ethnic makeup of the Czech lands. Czech-speaking people ceased to be the only inhabitants of Bohemia and Moravia, leading to centuries of tension between the two groups. This tension is an important element of the Hussite Wars, which can be seen as part of a wider conflict between Germans and Slavs. A mostly positive effect of the colonisation was that in the 13th century, the Czechs began to adopt more cultural influences from the West, such as Gothic architecture, the building of stone castles and the courtly, chivalric way of life. As the wealth and status of Bohemia grew, so did the power and prestige of its kings. King Ottokar II reigned 1253 to 1278, who also possessed lands in Austria, was one of the most powerful rulers of Europe in his day, and so earned himself the nickname King of Iron and Gold. His ambition was to be elected King of the Romans, as a step he hoped to becoming Holy Roman Emperor. The other great electors, however, were becoming increasingly alarmed at Ottokar's growing power, so they conferred the title instead on Count Rudolf of Habsburg, whose family was only just beginning to come to the forefront of European politics. Increasing tensions between Ottokar and Rudolf led to military confrontation, which culminated at the Battle of the Moravian Field on the 26th of August, 1278. Ottokar was slain in battle, and Bohemian expansion checked. The last king of the Premislid line was Wenceslav III, reigned 1301 to 1305. At a young age, Wenceslav acquired by dynastic chance the crowns of not only Bohemia, but also Poland and Hungary. He never had a chance to assert his power over his lands, as he was assassinated at the age of only 16, leading to civil war in Bohemia.
A degree of stability was reached when the sister of Wenceslav, Elizabeth, gained the hand in marriage of the son of the Holy Roman Emperor, Henry of Luxembourg. His name was John, Count of Luxembourg, and known to history as John of Bohemia. John was never accepted by the Czechs, regarded as a foreign interloper. Victor Verne, in his book Warrior of God, Jan Zizka and the Hussite Revolution, sums up the popular image of John. Quote, temperamentally unsuited for statecraft, he spent little time or energy on his kingdom, preferring to gallivant around Europe, fighting in various crusades and wars. End quote. The French historian Victor L. Tapier has a similar opinion that John was interested in Bohemia only in so far as that country's resources would enable him to indulge in adventures elsewhere. In 1336 he lost his eyesight from a battle wound inflicted crusading in Lithuania and so is also known to history as John the Blind. This, however, in no way tempered his enthusiasm for foreign wars, and the next year he sided with King Philip VI of France at the outbreak of the Hundred Years' War. We have met John previously in the podcast when he was slain at the Battle of Crecy, 1346. He met his end on a foolhardy but courageous charge against the English, earning himself a death worthy of the chivalric hero he was. One of the few Czech warriors to escape the slaughter at Cressy was John's son, who in 1346 not only succeeded his father as King of Bohemia, as Charles IV, but was also elected as King of the Romans. His reign from 1346 to 1378 is seen as the Golden Age of Bohemia. Born Wenceslav, he chose the name Charles at his confirmation in honour of his uncle, the French King Charles IV, at whose court he resided for seven years. Having also stayed in Luxembourg and northern Italy, Charles had received an excellent education and already spoke French, Italian, German and Latin. In contrast to his father, he quickly adopted Bohemia as his adopted home. Having developed a close affinity with his subjects, today he is referred to by Czechs as father of the homeland. He moved the imperial capital to Prague, which thus became one of the intellectual and cultural centres of Europe, and he also persuaded the Pope to have the city made an archbishopric. Today many places there are named after him, such as Charles Bridge and Charles Square. He enlarged the city by building the Prague New Town. He founded there the first university of Central Europe, Charles University, and had built numerous exquisite Gothic buildings. Also roughly 30 kilometres from Prague, Charles IV founded the Castle of Karlstein. This fortress, built to protect the imperial crown jewels, was decorated by master artists, including Theodoric of Prague, author of a set of 130 paintings on wood. During Charles's reign, the economy flourished, notably in agriculture and mining. Bohemian exports comprised grain, wood, wax, textiles, and in particular, silver coin and tin. Charles also expanded his realm. He consolidated Bohemia's traditional links with Moravia and by negotiation and purchase annexed the duchies of Silesia and Lusatia, a region to the north of Bohemia. After becoming Holy Roman Emperor in 1355, Charles still regarded the Kingdom of Bohemia as his power base and continued to reside there. The next year he decreed the famous Golden Bull, which established a constitutional structure for the Empire, many aspects of which lasted more than four centuries. Among the major changes was that the emperor would be chosen by seven electors, the archbishops of Mainz, Trier and Cologne, the Duke of Saxony, 
Margrave of Brandenburg, Count Palatine of the Rhine, and the King of Bohemia. These changes brought some more stability to the Empire, as the electors were recognised as sovereign in their own states. No subject would be allowed to appeal to any court outside his sovereign's territory. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. By the time Charles IV died on the 29th of November 1378, Bohemia had become one of the most powerful states in Europe and had overcome its earlier backwardness in comparison to the more advanced parts of Western and Southern Europe. To a large degree, Charles was fortunate to have ruled at a time of rising prosperity and for his rivals to have fallen by the wayside but by all accounts he was an able ruler, charismatic and intelligent. He chose his priorities wisely and was more interested in helping build his country's prosperity than in foreign adventures or any acts of personal vanity. Charles was succeeded by his eldest son, who was crowned Venceslav IV in November 1378. The new king was barely 18 when his father died, and though he shared his father's amiability, he appeared to lack the drive required to be a successful leader of men. For this, and for his frequent bouts of drunkenness, he acquired for himself the sobriquet of the lazy. His attention to German affairs was intermittent, and he neglected the tedious work of smoothing over the differences between nobles and townsmen, a task his father had done well. Also, Venceslav had the misfortune that in 1380, Bohemia was hit by a major epidemic of the Black Death, a plague which had struck other parts of Europe hard from 1347, but had up until then not affected Czech lands so badly. The ineffective Venceslav therefore had a weak grip on power. He was deposed as King of the Romans in 1400, although he stayed on as King of Bohemia. Two times he was even imprisoned for lengthy spells by rebellious nobles. His younger brother, Sigismund, an important figure later in the story, inherited Brandenburg and became a potential threat. Though in 1386 he acquired the crown of Hungary, and so for the time being became more interested in affairs to the east. Sigismund had his own problems in Hungary, keeping control of unruly nobles, a situation exacerbated by the disastrous Battle of Nicopolis in 1396. As described in the previous podcast, in this battle, Sigismund led a joint crusader army to a heavy defeat against the Ottomans. The type of political turmoil surrounding the likes of John of Bohemia and Sigismund were a result of a curious contradiction inherent in the medieval age of Central Europe. Royal princes sought the crowns of countries strong enough to provide the means with which to promote their own dynasties, such as the Habsburgs, Angevins and the Luxembourgs. 
On the other hand, the local nobles would only accept as their king an individual not powerful enough to make himself feared and who would respect their privileges. Sigismund originally expected to acquire the Polish crown after being betrothed to the daughter of King Louis I of Hungary and Poland. However, after getting involved in plots allegedly trying to set the Polish ally, Jogaila of Lithuania, against his cousin Vitautas, Sigismund was expelled from Poland. Jogaila later became king of Poland and allied with Vitautas, won a famous victory at the Battle of Tannenberg, or Grunwald, 1410, also described in a previous podcast. Sigismund, still smarting from his expulsion from Poland, provided some soldiers to help the Teutonic Knights, but could not afford as many as he would have liked, and not enough to save them from defeat. Among the participants at Grunwald was a soldier named Jan Zizka, who is another important character later in the story. Zizka, as a bohemian, fought for the Poles out of a sense of affinity with his fellow Slavs. In Poland he earned valuable military experience, and when he returned to Prague he was elevated by Wenceslav to a court position as an officer of the Palace Guard. As for Sigismund, he went on to become the most powerful figure in Central Europe. In 1411 he was elected King of the Romans, and in 1433 was crowned Holy Roman Emperor. He was an energetic ruler, although arguably tried to involve himself in too many activities at the same time, and so resolved none completely successfully. Yet he did achieve bringing Hungary into the mainstream of European political life, moved its capital to Buda, and worked hard to try and heal the papal schism, which had afflicted the church for several decades. He finally achieved this goal in the Council of Constance of 1414-1418. Meanwhile, back in Bohemia, a religious movement was steadily growing that would have major repercussions. Unusually, among medieval monarchs, Charles IV and Wenceslav IV were both pretty tolerant of religious dissent. It is thought that the one reason for the spread of unorthodox religious ideas in Bohemia in the late 1300s and early 1400s was the influence of the English. When Charles's eldest daughter, Anne, married King Richard II of England, ties were strengthened between the two kingdoms. Scholars from Prague attended courses at Oxford, where they came to know a group of religious dissidents called the Lollards. Led by the Oxford professor John Wycliffe, the Lollards opposed many practices of the Catholic Church. They wanted to make the text of the Bible more accessible by having it translated into English, rather than rely on translations from the church hierarchy. They also rejected many religious practices that they believed the church leaders had invented over the centuries and had no basis in scripture. For example, they did not believe that baptism and confession were necessary for salvation. They considered praying to saints and honouring of their images to be a form of idolatry. And they had a poor opinion of the trappings of the Catholic Church, including holy bread, holy water, bells, organs and church buildings. The spread of religious dissent in Bohemia under King Wenceslav IV was accelerated by the Black Death and political crises that afflicted his reign. Contemporaries saw both as the signs of God's wrath and punishment for the violation of God's law, as contained in the Bible. According to this principle, the main culprit was the church hierarchy, which had been corrupted by wealth and pride. The papal schism also seemed to justify these critical voices. An extra element in Bohemia was the growing feeling of Czech nationalism, which became directed against the powerful positions occupied in society and the church hierarchy by the German-speaking minority. 
the figurehead of religious dissent in Bohemia, became a priest by the name of Jan Hus, a popular preacher in the Prague Old Town. Hus was born between 1369 and 1374 in the small farming community of Husenech, Czech for goose pen, in southern Bohemia. He later shortened his name to Hus, meaning goose, creating a self-deprecating joke of which he was fond. Hus showed great intellect at a young age, despite his humble origins, becoming a lecturer at Charles University, and then going on to become curate of Bethlehem Chapel, which had recently been built by citizens eager to foster preaching in the Czech tongue. One of the first of many acts which earned him the wrath of church leaders concerned a proposed crusade. This happened at a time in 1412, when the papacy was in turmoil, with two, and for a year, even three rival popes. Pope John XXIII tried to fund a so-called crusade against a rival claimant using the sale of indulgences, that is, a remission of sin provided by the heads of church in return for payment. Such blessings had already been used to raise money for dubious causes in the past, but to do so in this questionable war was an absolute outrage to the truly devout. Pope John XXIII was furious at Hus for his opposition, and not only excommunicated him, but demanded the demolition of his church in Prague. In the summer of 1412, Hus went into voluntary exile for two years, but continued to attract a large following to his open-air meetings. His outspoken criticism of the misuse of religious authorities appealed especially to those who felt downtrodden by the establishment. In 1414, he appeared as if the church hierarchy may be prepared to come to some kind of compromise, and Jan Hus was invited to present his ideas to a gathering of the church, the Council of Constance, which was due to begin in 1415. The main purpose of the council was to try and end the papal schism, and the matter of Jan Hus was quite low down on the agenda. Sigismund, King of the Romans, and the organiser of the council promised Hus safe conduct. In spite of Sigismund's promise, Hus must have felt a degree of trepidation, aware that most of the members of the church hierarchy despised him. He made his will before setting off in October 1414 to Constance, a town today on the border of Germany and Switzerland. In the beginning, Hus was at liberty within the town, but he continued celebrating Mass and preaching to the people, in violation of restrictions decreed by the church and after a few weeks on the 28th of November, 1414, his opponents had succeeded in persuading the authorities to imprison him. His situation became worse after the downfall of Pope John XXIII, whose was delivered to the Bishop of Constance and brought to his castle, where he remained for 73 days. Separated from his friends, chained day and night, poorly fed and ill. In June 1415 he was put on trial, where extracts from his work were read and witnesses were heard. Hus was asked to renounce his unorthodox views and to publicly recant them, but he refused to do so, saying that this would go against his conscience. Sigismund at first made an effort to protect Hus. On the one hand he had promised Jan Hus safe passage, but on the other hand he felt a deep conviction that he had a duty to preserve the unity of the Church. Also, he was preoccupied with several other matters he considered of greater importance than the fate of one troublesome priest, and so, in the end, did not intervene. On the 6th of July, the trial concluded with Jan Hus being condemned as a heretic, and he was burned at the stake. Hus never intended to try and break apart Bohemia from the Church of Rome. His intention was to encourage reform of the Church, 
stop abuses of power and to bring the people closer to the word of God. Had the political circumstances been different or a Pope been prepared to take up his cause, then it is possible that his beliefs would have been incorporated into the Church. Take, for example, Francis of Assisi, who had at first been seen as a rebel, but went on to become a saint. Alive, Hus had been a moderate man, but dead he became a martyr and a figurehead for resistance. Had he not been murdered and a softer lion taken towards rebels, the Bohemians may not have rebelled. Instead, they felt compelled to defend their values, and for that matter, their sense of identity. Their faith had become a source of national pride, something they were willing to take up arms to protect against outside interference. And so began the Hussite Wars of 1419 to 1436, the subject of next week's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, it would be fabulous if you could give it a review or a rating on iTunes or your favourite podcatcher. Or perhaps give a a like on the podcast Facebook page. It'd also be great if you'd like to sponsor the podcast on patreon.com. You can write to me at carl at historyeurope.net or you can send me a message on Twitter at History Europe KB, letters KB for key battles. Thank you very much for listening to A History of Europe Key Battles. I hope you can join me again next week for the Hussite Wars. <laughs>